0: Our kids are under attack like never before. Incredible amount of stress in our kids, depression. Social media has just really changed the emotional status of our children. As parents, how do you even handle all of this? One thing we can do is prayer. We can't be everywhere, but God can. As
1: parents, we have a superpower that all too often we forget to tap into. It's prayer. And when it comes to our kids, what seems like a no-brainer is something I could be doing a whole lot more of. Maybe you can relate to the struggle of like not knowing just how to pray for them or what to pray. Sharon James to the rescue. This Bible teacher and writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries has a resource called Praying for Your Kids from Head to Toe our prayer for you as you listen today is that you find one or two new ideas that will help fuel your prayers for your kids.
2: Well, Sharon, welcome to the conversation this morning.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: Yeah. So first time having you on. And one thing that we love to do when we have a uh, new guest on before we get to know you specifically in your situation as an author and one who ministers uh, in various ways, we want to get to know you as a sister in Christ and would love to hear your spiritual journey, how you came to know and love Jesus.
0: Hey, you know what? I'm going to tie this right into what we're going to be talking about <laughs> today, because we're going to be talking about praying for your child mm. from head to toe and about how to be a, a praying parent. And I just want you to know that I did become a Christian through a praying mama, mm. but it was not my mother. Huh? It was another mother down the street from me. So huh. that's, that's very important as we're talking about this topic today about praying for our children and praying for other people's children as well. So I became, um, I lived in Eastern North Carolina and uh, grew up in an Nice neighborhood. It was um, the flatlands. You're from South Carolina, so you know it can be very flat. Mm-hmm. And we had the tall pine trees mm-hmm. and these areas that bloomed in the spring. Nice house dad had a good job mom had a good job had an older brother and a collie dog named Lassie yes we did so we looked like a typical (laughs) American family but there was a big secret behind the door of our home because my father um, had a terrible drinking problem Mm. and when my father would drink um, he would become very violent and he would just terrorize our house when he would become drunk and he Mm. would tear things up he would hit my mom beat my mom mom was an angry woman she would hit him back and Stan I grew up many nights just um, hiding in the bed praying that yelling and the shouting would stop. Sometimes I'd hide in my closet or go get in bed with my brother, just wanting it to stop. And I grew up just feeling like I just wasn't good enough. I, and whose home was like mine? I thought I was with the only one. And it was a, a big secret. Grew up feeling so inadequate and, and afraid, terrified of my parents. But, God, don't you love those two no, words? Absolutely. But there was a, a woman down the street from me. Um, it was my best friend's mom. And when I was about 12 years old, I started hanging around at the Henderson's home. My little redheaded Wanda Henderson friend and her redheaded mama, Mrs. Henderson. And I love being down there, Stan, because the parents hugged and kissed around us and There was so much love in that home. And I loved how Mr. Henderson treated his daughters. And I'd never seen that before. And I wanted a daddy who loved me like that, even though I was afraid all little girls want a daddy who loves them. Well, she began to tell me about a father who did love me. She shared about Jesus with me, told me about my heavenly father who loved me. I eventually shared with her what was going on in my home, even though she probably had figured it out. Mm. Probably a lot of people did. Um, but she began to share Jesus with me and went to church with them. And a lot of nights I was spend saturday nights with them saturday nights with the worst at my house and uh go then that meant i would go to church with them and honestly stan i thought she was a little odd because she talked about jesus like she knew him personally Mm -hmm. and that was strange to me because my family as bad as we were there was the alcohol pornography the beating we went to church on sunday but what i figured out was what we had in our life was a religion a religion like all good Americans, we had a religion in our life. But these people had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I knew that was different. Well, when I was 14, she sat me down. This was after two years of mentoring me, going to church with them. She started a Bible study in the neighborhood for teenagers. Mm -hmm. She sat me down and asked me if I was ready to accept Christ. And he did forever change my life Mm -hmm. when I said yes. But here's the icing on the cake. We began to pray for my parents and that family. And it was a total mess. Mm -hmm. But we don't have time to talk talk about it in our short time today. But three years after I came to Christ, my mom, through this same woman, actually, gave her life to Jesus Christ. Wow. And then three years after that, my mean old dad um, gave his life to Jesus, too. My whole family was transformed, really, by a praying mother, just not my mother. And that's how I came to Christ, and that's how I continued to grow all through my teenage years. Wow,
2: that is, what a great story. What a great testimony. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. We do want to dive into your your latest book here, uh, Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. Okay, love the title. What uh, brought you to the point of wanting to write this book?
0: Well, actually, about 10 years ago, I wrote another book called Praying for Your Husband from Head to Mm. Toe, a 30-day guide to powerful and effective scripture. Scripture based prayer. (laughs) So that book, um, I would get emails from people and they'd mark it all up, which is every author's dream. And they would say, We really want one of these for our children. And I, I, you know, after 10 years, I thought, you know, now is the time because we see, Stan, that our kids are under attack like never before. And so now is the time to do that. Um, We see that. You know, if we look at the nightly news, we see the school shootings. We, you know, saw one yesterday on the news. Um, There's statistics now that are kept. Uh, I know that one that I read was 167 school shootings since 2018. And that, of course, has gone gone up since that statistic was published. Mm. I mean, when do we even start counting that, right? So that's going on. We've got incredible amount of stress in our kids. We've got depression that's rising with their kids, especially since the pandemic. Um, We have got increased peer pressure like never before. I mean, when I was growing up, there's always peer pressure. We've always had it. Cain and Abel. I mean, from the very beginning, we had it. But now, you know, peer pressure isn't just the people in, our, in their schools or on the bus and or in your neighborhood. Peer pressure is among people all around the world wow. because of the Internet. Yes. So because of the Internet, there's increased stress among our children to be and to do a certain way. And social media has just really changed um, the emotional status of our of our children and what their hearts are like and what their minds are going through so all this so many things that are just burdens on our kids today and and sometimes as parents we just don't know what, how to even handle all of this it's, it's just so much so one thing we can do is prayer we can't be everywhere but god can amen amen so um, and as I'm talking about this, Stan, and talking about all the difficulties that are that are attacking our children today, I want to say this though. I mean, we're looking at what we see, but there's a whole nother realm mm. of what we cannot see. And scripture tells us in Ephesians when when Paul is writing about putting on the armor of God in Ephesians six, he says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now that is what we see. That is what we see going on. But he says your your struggle really is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So if that's where the real battle is, that's where we need to start, praying in the spiritual realm. And he also tells us again in 2 Corinthians, he says, though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. Mm -hmm. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, Mm -hmm. they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I love that so much, Dan, when it says divine power to demolish strongholds. And when you go back and look at the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, that word divine power is really "dunamos." That's where we get the English word dynamite. How do you have dynamite? You have nitrogen, you have glycerin, put them together, boom, you got dynamite. Well, when you have the word of God and you have prayer mm-hmm. and you put those together, you've got dunamis power dynamite power to destroy those strongholds so that's why as we get into this we are not just we're praying yes but we are praying the word of god so when you put those two things together you've got dynamite power and we can always know when we don't even know what to pray we can know that if we're praying the word of god Mm -hmm. we are praying the will of god so
2: good yeah so sharon why do we need this book what i mean by that question is as Powerful as prayer is, as we were just talking about, as prevalent as it's talked about in scripture, as powerful as the promises are of God about prayer, like plenty of us parents don't pray for our kids, like really don't passionately pray for our kids. So why? What's the hindrance for us?
0: You know, I think as we're called human beings, but we want to do, we're trying to fix things in our mm. own strength. Uh, we're trying to change our ch- our children to be the way we want them to be. We're looking at outside behavior instead of backing up and stalking and thinking about what is causing that behavior. And that is where we, we need to be praying. And I think another reason we don't pray as much is because we're so distracted, Stan. I mean, even when I, I would be honest with you Uh, and i don't think i'm the only one but when i sit down to pray you know i will think okay i'm going to pray now and all of a sudden all these other thoughts start coming in my head and i think oh i need to add this to my grocery list or i need to put this on my to-do list oh i really need to call so-and-so and then i think lord i am so sorry and then i get back to the praying and those distractions just bombard me with all that we have to do and um I think that's one reason this book is so powerful, because it has 16 areas that you're covering in your child's life each day, and it's like a a process that we're going through that will help us, that help keep us focused during our time of prayer. So we've got this guide, and when I'm talking about a guide, you know, a pattern of prayer is what I refer to this process we're doing. You know, Jesus had a pattern of prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, The disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And what did he do? He gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer but I don't think he gave that to them and to us it's just a rote prayer to say without thinking I think the Lord's Prayer really was a, a pattern of prayer first we're gonna praise God we're gonna thank God we're gonna ask him to forgive us for our sins we're gonna pray that he will provide for our daily needs we're gonna also pray to forgive other people see it's just a process and we can actually add our own words into that process then we're gonna pray that he protect us from evil then we're gonna praise him again at the end so that's a pattern of prayer and that's what we're doing in this book and I think when we have a pattern and we make it a habit it helps us to be able to pray more effectively and efficiently without getting distracted when we pray
3: Hmm. God is always at work among us
1: part of Jeff's role on the leadership team at Lincoln Berean Church is giving leadership to missional work they support in Asia
3: we have 40 full-time staff that are serving all over Asia. And they lead right now currently over 400 active lay church planners.
1: In recent years, MyBridge Momentum, a ministry of MyBridge which invests in leaders and the organizations they lead, began serving Lincoln Berean's leadership team, helping them implement a robust operating system that would align their ministry team, including the ministry team in Asia.
3: So all of our staff here, plus all of our staff in Asia are all on the same quarterly cycle where we're aligned to advance our purpose and using Momentum and the operating system to help us be intentional.
1: Momentum has helped them bring clarity to their purpose, metrics to gauge ministry effectiveness, and overall alignment to boldly pursue that vision and bring the gospel to places in the world where it has literally never been.
3: One of our top line leaders in Asia, he was just raving. He's like, the level of intentionality has just gone up super fun as God has used that here in our local context. He's also using that in all these places that are impacting literally thousands and thousands of lives in Asia.
1: God is on the move through Mybridge Momentum, accelerating Nebraska ministries and churches like Lincoln Berean as they identify and fulfill God's kingdom purposes for their ministry. MyBridge
3: Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at mybridgeradio.net.
2: Sharon, one of the things that you talk about in this book that I really like, and I think it's crucial that we talk about, that uh, prayer is not a means of gaining control over your children. (laughs) So would love for you to talk about that because I can just picture Mm -hmm. us (laughs) as parents Mm -hmm. going, I want to control my kid in this way. We maybe not use those words, of course, but that's what we're saying and doing. And I'm going to pray and ask God to do that.
0: I have to go back to that other book. So when I wrote praying for your husband from head to toe, I mean, that's an obvious. So when we're praying for our husband, husbands, we are not praying that God will make them into the men that we want them to be, to whip them into shape and make them just like we want them to be. No, we're not praying that at all. And I made that very clear. We are praying that as we pray for our husbands, that they will be the men that God wants them to be. Mm -hmm. So when I was writing the book on children, I thought, well, is that true for our kids too? And it absolutely is. I mean, we know that we want certain things for our children and, and for salvation, that they choose a godly mate. And we know those things. But in praying for their, for their, who God created them to be, we need to to take our hands off. Here's an interesting fact. God is the potter and we are the clay. Now, when it comes to parenting, sometimes I want to be the potter, right? Mm -hmm. I think all parents do. We want to shape and mold those kids who we want them to be, but we're not the potter. We are simply helping God. Um, Helping God's not really (laughs) the right word because He doesn't need our help. But we are shaping and molding, but God is the main potter for this little love clay we call our own children. So yeah, we're, we're not praying that they will be who we want them to be. We are praying that this magnificent creature that God has allowed us to to shape and mold in our humble way through his guiding will be exactly who he wants them to be. Yeah. So
2: if we're going to be praying that uh, God would work in our kids' life to make them who he wants them to be, there's some surrender in there, right?
0: Oh, there's there, su- yes, there's, there's, there's surrender. There's faith in there. Yes, there's surrender and there's faith and and here's a little bit of good news too. I think that so many times parents take responsibility for how their children to turn out. Hmm. And um and if you're listening today with grown kids, you are not responsible for your adult children's decisions. So that is good news for modern man right there. But um as we do pray and we go through these sixteen areas and we pray in scripture over our, our children, you can see that we're not praying our own words to what we want them to be. We're going that's why it's so important to go right to scripture. When we pray scripture, then we are praying already what God has written is his will for our children and for anyone they're praying for, actually.
2: Sure. Enough. There's another quote out of your book that I absolutely loved. And you talk about how, not about being a perfect parent, like there's no perfect parents, but you talk about, but you can be a praying parent to a perfect parent. God, that's powerful. We'd love to hear you. That's share key, that.
0: isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and no one will be a perfect parent, and and but we can pray to a perfect God, and that's why it's you know it's so important for us to to realize that none of it. We're going to all make mistakes, and um you know what I remember being with a group of women, and we were um, in a Bible study, and we were telling about some difficulties in our childhood, and almost this is when I was younger. We were almost blaming the way we were because of things that happened in our past. And there was one gal in there. She started crying. She said, I had great parents and I'm still messed up. I don't have anything to blame it on. But listen, our kids are going to always go back and say, well, you did this and you did that. I'm like, yep, I sure did because (laughs) we all make mistakes and we don't do it perfectly. Um, But but God is perfect.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. One of the things I loved about that statement that it's not about being a perfect parent. You can't be a perfect Parent, but you can be a praying parent to a perfect God. Because that, literally, I wasn't didn't use those exact words, but that was one of my handful of principles or truths or concepts that I was, I hung my hope of parenting and having kids turn out the way God wants them to be on. And it was that it's not about me being perfect, but I can pray. One was I wanted, by God's grace, introduce my kids to Jesus, right? So that he was working in their lives far beyond what I could. And then I would help cultivate not just a saving faith, but a dynamic, a living faith. And then just entrusting them through prayer to the work of God, who, again, can do so much more in their lives than than I ever could. I love that having parents really incorporate that concept into their parenting.
0: Mm You know, I want to say this to the parent who's listening, and maybe you have been praying for years for a certain outcome with your child. Maybe that you've seen them go down a road that um, is contrary to scripture. Maybe you're praying for their salvation and you haven't seen anything happen yet. And I want to encourage you not to get discouraged because God is always working behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. always. Jesus said that. He said, my father is always at work. And so when we feel like he's not, and we're feeling like, God, just throw me a bone, let me see something, yeah. we can be assured he's always working. I, I love the story of Joseph stand, because you see, Joseph, of course, is the 11th son. He had the coat of many colors, and he had this dream that his family, his brothers and mother and father were going to bow down to him one day, and um, he was going to lead over them. But what happened after that dream for the next 17 years? did not look like God was with Mm. him. However, it says time and time, and God was with him. We know the story. He was told that his brother sold him into slavery. He was a slave in Potiphar's house, and scripture says, and God was with him. Then he was accused of attempted rape. He was thrown into prison, and it says, and God was with him in prison. And then finally, he interpreted the Pharaoh's dream, and he was made second in command, and that dream came to fruition. But think about that. That was 17 years of God doing a work hmm. before that actually happened. So as we're praying for our children, and it looks like things are going, going south the whole time. I mean, think about Joseph, slavery, prison, accused of something he did not do on and on. God was with him. And then it came to pass 17 years later. So don't give up praying for your mm-hmm. kids. God hasn't forgotten them. God has not forgotten you, but he is always working behind the scenes. And one thing I say in another book that I wrote called When You Don't Like Your Story is that God will make the pain and our meanwhile worthwhile in the end. So keep praying and don't give up.
3: Mm, that's So good. There are people unreached
0: in places so hard to reach.
3: Few have been reached.
1: Few have been reached. How could we forget?
3: In Nebraska, we have Bibles that abound, churches on our corners, and Christians in every neighborhood.
1: That is not true everywhere. There are places overseas where people have never met a Christian, held a Bible, seen a church, or heard the name of Jesus. Those who don't know
3: or just don't know. Yet the harvest is plentiful. It's plentiful. Let's harvest this field from sunrise to sunset. Activate Global. My bridge to the nations. Find out more at mybridgeradio.net.
2: Sharon, you mentioned earlier about uh, your father and want to tell that story about uh, him coming to Christ.
0: I want to say one thing before I tell this, um, tell that story, because we haven't talked about the 16 areas, uh-huh. but as in this book, it's 30 days of praying over 16 areas in your child's life. It's what they think about, what they look at, um, the words they speak, what they listen to, what decisions they make, what turns their head, and it goes all the way down to their side and relationships, their legs, their stand on the truth, their knees, their relationship with God, and their feet, the path that they take. And and it sounds like it might take a long time. It takes about five to seven minutes each day to pray those scriptures. So that's what you'll be seeing when you see this book, Praying for Your Child from Head to Toe. Mm -hmm. Now, let's go back to what happened with my dad. Okay. So um, as I mentioned, I became a Christian at 14. My mom became a Christian three years later. And then my dad, when my mom became a Christian, he said, I will go to church with you, but I could never be good enough to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he quit drinking and he did go to church with us. But um, I told him exactly, Stan, what you would tell him with that statement. Dad, none of us could be good enough if we could be good enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. Mm. But he couldn't understand that kind of grace. And honestly, when he went to church with us in this Bible-believing church, he didn't really see many people like him, many men who were talking about what they had done in their past or what they were still struggling with. And so um, three years after my mom came to Christ, my dad was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, his business deal that had gone wrong. He was going to be taken to court and exposed for all kinds of things, I'm sure. Mm. And uh, my mom, with her business, she had a craft shop. She at a craft show in Pennsylvania. So get this picture. We're in North Carolina. My dad gets in his car and he drives to Pennsylvania to try to find my mom. Hmm. Couldn't find her at her meeting. Stopped by a church. Actually, it was a Catholic church. He was probably just looking for anything with a steeple. Hmm. And he went into there and he said, I need someone to pray for me. And uh, the secretary said, well, the priest isn't here, but I know a Baptist pastor who's out in the woods building his church. So this precious woman got a piece of paper and she drew him a little map and and I told my dad to follow this map. And he did in his car, in a little scratch piece of paper, found this pastor. who was out in the woods, actually, in Pennsylvania, building his church. I'm talking about hammer in his hand. Hmm. And he drove up and he said, I need you to pray for me. And um, the man said, well, what is your name? And he, they sat down. He said, tell me what your problem is. And my dad told him everything he'd ever done probably for the first time he'd ever told anyone everything. Hmm. And the way my dad um, explained it to me, he said, Sharon, after I told him, that pastor put his arm around me and he said, now, Alan, let me tell you what I have done. Hmm. And the way my dad explained it, he said, Sharon, everything I had done, that man had done too. Wow. And I knew that if God could forgive him and he could be a preacher, then he could forgive me. Hmm. So my dad accepted Christ in the woods of Pennsylvania with a man I will never know and became one of the sweetest men he was so precious i mean that is an amazing story but here's the thing stan i always think about this and this is one thing that really drives my ministry too do you think there were other people in my small town in that church who were struggling with some of the same things absolutely but nobody was talking about it, wow. and God had to send my father all the way to Pennsylvania to find a man who would be honest with him and tell him about his struggles. Mm. You know, it tells us um, in Revelation when when um it says they overcame him, talking about the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Mm. That means, I mean, think about it. Our testimonies have so much power that they're in the same sentence with the blood of the Lamb. Mm. So no wonder the devil doesn't want us telling about what what we've come from and what we've done and what our struggles are, because he knows there's great power in that. Mm. So my dad became, um, gave his life to Christ. And I think it was mainly, um, of course, the Holy Spirit did it. I can only come to Christ when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. But he, through a man who wasn't ashamed of his story, who wasn't ashamed of his scars, and told my father what God had done in his life. So my dad knew that God could forgive him too.
2: Mm, So good. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for uh, taking some time with us. Thank you for investing in all of us through uh, sharing
3: what God's given you in this whole area of praying for your children. Thank you, Stan. We know your time is valuable, so we're grateful you chose to spend some of it listening to Morning Conversation, the podcast. If God used this content to bless you, we'd love to have you share it with a friend. Also, when you click subscribe or follow, not only will our next episode be delivered to your podcast app, you'll help raise awareness so others can more easily find this podcast. For more conversations like this, along with songs of hope and stories of God at work, we invite you to listen to MyBridge Radio, hear it on the MyBridge Radio app, or listen online at MyBridgeRadio.net.